Welcome to the Ministry Mars Podcast. I'm David Haynes, and I'm joined by Thomas Majors. Thomas, how you doing today, buddy? Man, I'm doing pretty good. Good. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We are set up right here at Trinity Baptist Church in my office, and you are admiring all the books I have on my shelves and all the degrees on the wall, aren't you? Yes, I'm I'm sitting beside a learned man. Wow, an learned. Er, an erudite. <laughs> His That's erudition fancy. is... Is uh, permeating over this way. Wow, man, that is awesome. Wow, that's some fancy words. I don't even know what to say now. And so. his smell is permeating. No. <laughs> hey, I bathed last month whether I needed to or not. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> well, Thomas, today we're going to be talking about deconstructing faith. And, and let me kind of tell you how you, the listeners, let me tell you how we came to this. Um, on a podcast we recently published, we talked about can a true Christian be led astray by a cult? In, in doing that, I kind of went down a rabbit hole of deconstructing faith. And then and then I, I shared a little bit with Thomas while we were between takes the last time we recorded a few weeks ago. And we thought that deconstructing faith needed a podcast of its own. And I, I'm just going to be up front. Thomas, I don't know a lot about deconstructing faith. I just hear about it occasionally. Would you put yourself in that same boat? I would, I would definitely put myself in that boat that I'm not no scholar when it comes to deconstructing uh, faith, deconstructionism. Uh, I've just I've kind of done some reading on it in preparation for this, but you hear a lot about it right now. I mean, you it do. is a very popular term, and it's popular because I think some celebrity type Christian or former Christian celebrities have deconstructed their faith and they are no longer with uh would describe themselves as Christians or be in the Christian faith. And I fully agree. You use the word celebrity Christian. I put the word as famous Christian, but but it's, it's one and the same. And that's where we hear of this is someone who is uh, a noted band member or songwriter or even a, a, a pastor or an author who at one point identified as Christian, and now they do not. And sometimes they will contribute that to a deconstruction of faith. Like written link that's, yeah, that's yeah. who i'm written link yeah. i've never listened to anything they've done yeah never listened to any of their podcasts or any songs or or anything like that but i know the name i yeah. knew they were christians but i think it's been at least a year or maybe two years ago they came yeah. they kind of came out and said we've been through this process mm-hmm. of deconstructing our faith and they kind of declared themselves to be non-christians anymore and I think they even described the years they spent as missionaries as lost years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And Rhett and Link was one of the first that I ever heard speak of this. Right. And what, what I hate about it, dude, I, man, Rhett and Link are absolutely hilarious. Hilarious. I recall whenever you and I were at Blue Mountain College and we would, I, I thought we would, or less definitely, I would watch some of their stuff on the YouTube and it would be these crazy commercials they did. I remember they did one for a, uh, a mobile home uh, manufacturing plant out of Coleman, Alabama. And it was some guy who sold trailers and they went out and did a video of him and it was just so funny and then there was one about uh white red house furniture up in north carolina and it was so funny you remember some of that stuff i do is that that's red and link man okay. yes 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 way back when and we go back like 15 years me and you and red and link and we know them but they don't know us but but yeah so they were so funny and then several years ago whenever we you know kicked cable out of our lives and we just sort of doing live or you know streaming or youtube 
I, I told her daughter, a daughter who's now 21, that time she would have been 17, 16, 17. And I told her about Rhett and Link. And so she started watching Rhett and Link, and they're hilarious. And my sister and her children all watched the Rhett and Link stuff. And then a couple of years ago, my daughter came in and said, Dad, have you heard about Rhett and Link, how they've left the faith? And I'm like, no. And then I watched, um, it was like a 45-minute session, and I watched at least half of it. And they it was my first time to learn about deconstructing faith. And really, deconstructing faith is, is a lot the way we would say deconstructing a, a building. Uh, we're sitting right here at Trinity Baptist Church in my office, and, and soon, Lord willing, soon, this building will be deconstructed. It's basically the, 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 the tearing down of something. Now, whenever we deconstruct on a church property, we, we deconstruct to reconstruct. We're going to have right. to tear down to then rebuild. And so there are some aspects of deconstructing faith that I will say, oh, okay, well, I have done that. But my faith is so much stronger now than it ever was. Uh, for you, Thomas, you you might could say it, and I don't I don't mean this. I don't mean that I'm a deconstructionist. Let me tell you what I mean. Whenever my whenever my wife went through the pregnancy period of having our daughter 21 years ago, my wife almost died. Man, she was in the hospital for a month. She was in the ICU, uh, Tupelo Hospital for about a week. She had two horrible seizures. She was in a coma. I can't tell you all the 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 the, the damage it did to her body and then to my to my spiritual life, but. As I was asking the question, why in the world, I was 20 years old, why in the world has this happened? What in the world is going on? I found my faith was rock solid. Everything that didn't matter was deconstructed. And then through that period, I felt a call to ministry again. I then surrendered and submitted to that call to ministry. And my faith was almost demolished, but it was built back so strong that that I look at that period in my life of her being in the hospital and my daughter being really small, uh, of saying that was a strong faith building time. So deconstructing an issue for the purpose of building stronger faith, I don't have an issue with. Deconstructing faith and then saying, and where we're going to get to this in a little bit, yeah, God is not real. The Bible is not his word, but we got big time problems with that yeah and i think that that brings about an underlying issue uh, especially when it comes to words and how we use words because we're using the word deconstructing and obviously i mean it means exactly what you are saying when it comes to the deconstructing of a building tearing it down um uh, Technically, I'm sure when they come to deconstruct this building, they'll probably take a uh, escalator or a bulldozer and just take it down. Or also, but an excavator. You said escalator. Did y'all hear that, podcast friends? <laughs> an escalator <laughs> is a moving staircase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, I, I, and I did learn that uh, an escalator used to be. Maybe the reason I'm thinking about that. Yeah. I watched the YouTube. Oh yeah, the YouTube. <laughs> and uh, the YouTube told me. Uh, that's what you call yeah, it. That's what I always say. The Facebook, the, the YouTube. Yeah. So the YouTube told me that Escalator used to be like a brand name. Oh, really? And no one could use that brand name oh. uh, until eventually it became so Synonymous generalized with, yeah, with okay. the motor stairway uh -huh. that uh, the patent office uh, said that they can no longer have their patent for escalator and it became oh. general use. You think that'll ever happen with Coke? You know, down here in the South, well, hey, what type of Coke you want? You want a Sprite Coke, a Dr. Pepper Coke? 
<laughs> probably probably not because Coke is a Coca-Cola. Yeah. But chapstick, you know, everybody has chapstick, oh, yeah. whether you're using actual chapstick brand or another or brand, you call it chapstick. And I so, gotcha. but they still hold their patent. Thank Buddy, you. we have deconstructed this conversation just like that. <laughs> <laughs> so words, words. Yeah. So excavator. Uh, but now if a person is going to deconstruct a barn for the barn wood, uh-huh. they would begin to take down those pieces board by board yeah. until they nothing's left. Until yeah. nothing's left and they can save save it. Some people, when they are talking about deconstructionism, they're talking about saving it to reconstruct. Yeah. Others are are talking about it mainly from a philosophical standpoint based yeah. in postmodernism uh where it is just a outright rejection yeah. it's an esca excavator not an escalator it's <laughs> yeah. an excavator that is yeah, that is bringing uh, the wrecking ball bringing the wrecking ball bringing it down yeah yeah and you know and one one definition i read a few weeks ago as we were preparing for another podcast it you was did that from- weeks ago Weeks ago. Yeah, wow. I just, uh, just weeks ago, just weeks ago. <laughs> oh, I mean, just the other day. What am I saying here? <laughs> so, Sophia Society says that the, you know, deconstructing the faith is taking apart smaller components of faith to examine their foundation, truthfulness, youthfulness, and impact. Now, I have an issue with that. I, I don't mind examining the foundation of it. Okay, where does this go? I don't mind examining the usefulness or the impact, but the truthfulness. That's where it starts to begin. Whenever a person has a question about faith, well, is this truthful? Now, I don't mind the occasional person who questions that to then reaffirm and buttress their faith and say, yes, it is truthful. But so so often, well, I'm not sure if this is truthful because of, well, that Jonah in the well story. Can we really trust in that. Well, if I can't trust in that, can I really trust in Jesus on the cross? And they'll make that jump kind of seem seamlessly from yeah. one to the next. Uh, and they will call into context, the uh, call into question the entire truthfulness of scripture. So what are your thoughts? So when, when we're thinking about deconstructing faith, let me ask you, okay, would that be the number one? You think that's the number one, uh, huh thing that someone would deconstruct. I don't think it's necessarily what leads them to deconstruct their faith. I'm going to say that a person, and you've already mentioned it, I think the uh, problem of suffering Mm -hmm. is going to lead a person to begin this process of deconstructing their faith. But I believe that one of the underlying uh, foundations that they're going to begin to chip away at is the Word of God. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I, I mean, there's agree. some great doctrines there, but uh, there's great doctrines that we hold dearly mm-hmm. within our Christian faith, but they're all based upon a text. Yeah. And if you can bring into question that text, then you yeah. begin to see the the other places begin to crumble. All right. Can I tell you what I thought you were going to ask? Okay. I thought you were going to ask, do you see deconstruction of faith? being one of the formidable foes in the next generation of Christianity. And I was about to say, very possible. You know, we always look back as armchair psychologists and say, well, I'll tell you what, I think the next big thing in SBC life is going to be, there's going to be a divide over whatever. 
could that be the deconstruction of faith? Could we see the next 20 years uh, people who right now we would classify as faithful brothers or sisters, but in 20 years, would they be described as people who deconstructed their faith? I, boy, I sure hope not, but but it, it could be, that could be a battle that we were looking to face. I don't know. What do you think? I hope not. I hope not, because just in my preliminary study of this, mm -hmm. it seems like it is, it's based upon secular uh, rationale mm -hmm. instead of a biblical, historical, biblical Christianity, uh, that type of rationale. Yeah. And so I think it's more secular than actual biblical. So I, I hope it's not. And it also seems to be a fad right now. Sure. And from from my understanding, it's not been around that long. Uh, the person who uh, who is actually credited with starting this movement is uh, Jacques Jacques Derrida. Wow, uh, that's, that's a fancy. French name. Yeah, uh, I thought you were going to say Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jacques is uh, J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. Mm -hmm. And so it's a French name, uh, Jacques Derrida. And I think he started using that term around 1971. Okay. Became kind of popular um, in, the, in the 90s. Mm -hmm. I mean, he did some more work. He was a philosopher, a French philosopher. Did some more work in the 80s, of course. Became popular in the 90s. He died about 2004, but really... A lot of that movement started, uh, philosophical movement that he began, uh, picked up speed around the 2000s. Okay. And it really is formulated in postmodernism. Basically, the rejection that there is any truth mm -hmm. or the rejection of authority. Mm -hmm. So I, I really hope it's just going to be a fad that we see pass away. Yeah. I think there are some ways that we can actually correct that today. Okay. And I think some of what we're seeing, even in Christian education, is maybe they're not saying, oh, we're, we're trying to combat deconstructionism. Uh, but some of the f movements we see in Christian education today with apologetics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think apologetics is the answer to this. W would you agree with that? Uh, I, I mean, would think so. You study the faith, you understand the arguments, you know, so you can give an answer when someone has a question. Sure. So sure. in that process, you're, you're understanding what you believe, mm -hmm. being able to give an argument. And through the process, you're building or strengthening your own faith. Yeah. Yeah. I, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. You mentioned something that reminds me. Of something that we studied uh, many years ago, Blue Mountain College, we had to study a lot of stuff, and there was something that we learned was biblical criticism. You remember learning about biblical criticism? What did, wasn't it called higher criticism or something yes. like that? Yeah, I remember. I, you remember the Doctor Meeks? You know, he gave those quizzes every week in New Testament or Old Testament, or whatever. And you had to. Did you read all your stuff? Yes. And they were being, honestly and truthfully. Did you read all of the assignment <laughs> for this? That's right. That's right. And then there was there was a question one time about criticism. 
And he, I remember I got it wrong. I got it wrong. I put lower criticism, but it was higher criticism. And he laughed and he said, I like that answer. I view it myself as lower criticism, but I cannot give you credit for that. It's actually known as higher criticism. So is there any link? And and I know you, you're, you're, I'm just asking you this off the cuff. Is there any link between biblical criticism of 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago and deconstruction of faith today? Have you Have you ever thought about that? I, all of, uh, oh, let me just put it like this. Okay, we're living in a uh, in a web of a world, and if somebody plucks the spider web on one end, <laughs> it reverberates on the other end. Sure. So a lot of the the movement that we see coming from the uh, Reformation period. The move back to enlightenment, um, the Renaissance, a move back to classical uh, education, humanistic education, eventually gives way to the higher criticism that we find in the 19th century with, uh, is that Wellhausen? Yeah, that's right. Julius is, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his yeah. first name. I'm acting like I know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's uh, but right. It's, it's a German name, so I don't know. Maybe it's something else. But his last name is uh, Wellhausen. I think he's the one that came up with that idea of the documentary hypothesis in the Old Testament, higher criticism. And uh, so it kind of gives way to these ideas of studying a text. And actually, most of the definitions you come across for... Uh, for deconstruction is dealing with a text or dealing with language or dealing with um, politics or something like that. And then they've been applied to these other areas such as art and architecture and eventually obviously going to be applied to religion as well and to the Christian faith. So I would say yes. Mm -hmm. I would say yes, higher criticism has moved in this has been a springboard yeah. for this to come into the Christian faith. Yeah. But we live in a web of a world. So yeah. uh, if somebody plucks a strand, yeah. a cobweb in one place, it reverberates in another place because ideas do not stay um ideas do not stay localized. Ideas begin to move out. And so here you have a we are talking about a French philosopher yeah. at Trinity Baptist Church <laughs> in Etowamba. Etowamba County. Etowamba. Etowamba. In Etowamba County, yeah. Mississippi. That's I mean, right. So That's right. ideas do not stay in one area. They move. And yeah. So no telling. We could be on a slippery slope right now, but I hope we're not. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned something that we talked about already a little bit that, um, you know, a personal deconstruction of faith often goes back to, uh, you know, a personal tragedy or a difficulty or a death of a loved one. Basically, why do bad things happen to good people? And I, I love the opposite approach to that. Why do good things like uh, God-loving sinners and offering salvation to those of us uh, who have sinned and have fallen short of His glory, why do good things happen to bad people is another way, opposite way of looking at that. But so often what I read of people who deconstructed their faith 
faith. It was when we went through difficulty and I began questioning everything about God. And when people get away from the Bible being God's word, then I think deconstruction is the next domino to fall. Oh, well, this is just another book. Let's look at it as we would look at any other book. And sure, it would be easy to deconstruct something just based on a, a, a point of literature, but we're talking about God's holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible word, but they are getting away from that. Yeah. What else you got, Thomas? I think, uh, I think the idea of suffering <laughs> sends people on that journey. Maybe not all of the time. Uh, I think some other issues, culturally relatable issues may send a person down that journey, but something that all of us go through, whether you're what, no matter what skin color, how much money you have, where you are born, where you live, one thing that is common for all people is suffering. <laughs> people are going to suffer in one way or another. Sometimes it's mental, mental suffering, uh, mental suffering, physical suffering. So people are going to suffer. And so I think this idea of suffering lends, uh, begins to send people down that journey. So we need to have some answers for that. I think apologetics helps us uh, develop some answers for that. All right, let me let me let me tell you something that I that I heard several months ago. There was some uh, Christian rock band guy who came out and he had deconstructed his faith. I don't remember who he was; doesn't matter. But I was I was reading a a, a Christian author who was writing about that person, and he made a statement that was interesting. I don't remember who the Christian author was. Man, I wish I'd have written it down, but I don't know. But he said today's progressive Christians are tomorrow's atheists. Today's progressive Christians are tomorrow's atheists. He said, whenever a Christian, and I'm using air quotes, whenever a Christian is, he said, so far out there, so progressive, he said that their transition as, as their personal evolution happens is atheism. I've heard some people say this, well, a young man can be liberal or conservative. And the older he gets, he becomes more mainstream. Liberals become more mainstream. Conservatives become more mainstream. They will tend to flow toward each other. And what that man wrote about today's progressive Christians or tomorrow's atheists is, is the opposite of what I had been taught about becoming more mainstream. He would say those that are progressive Christians then jump out of the boat, you know, out of the skillet, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire, and they become tomorrow's atheists. Have you ever heard of that or ever given any thought to that? I haven't, I haven't really given much thought to that, but that makes a lot of sense. Uh, as you were, as you were talking, I was thinking about some, uh, something that I want to ask you, uh -oh. put you on the spot. Oh no, I'm scared. So as a pastor, I mean, you're mm -hmm. a pastor, as a pastor of this church, mm -hmm. how does studying deconstructionism, mm -hmm. how does that, uh, prepare you to teach? and to minister to your people at Trinity? That is a very good question. And while you were speaking earlier, my mind kind of went to that. Um, it, it does. I think I am called to look at biblical passages with a question mark. Uh, well, not that I don't believe, not that I don't have faith, but there is a good chance that someone in the pew or someone watching online will 
not be a person of faith or will be looking at this passage with a huge question mark. And so I go into it. You've already mentioned the word apologist many times. I go into it thinking, how can I make this? How, how can I explain this to someone who doesn't believe this? Mm-hmm. Or how can I make this make sense to a person that that not in the slightest do they feel this applies to them or do they trust this at all? And so I've been doing that for, for a, a period of time, a period of time. I try to go into looking at every scriptural passage as the idea of an unbeliever. Not that I'm an unbeliever. How would an unbeliever look at this? Yeah, and then how good. can I balance what this says with the question they might have. And so in the way I develop a sermon, I I think I've shared this with you, in every point I want to have explanation, illustration, application. And so whenever I'm studying and researching the explanation of what do these five verses say for this point, as I'm writing down what this means, I am then questioning. And so then anytime I have a question, I will drop down to my application and I will just type that question in to expound upon it later. What does this mean in our lives? What does this mean in our day? How does this mean? Have you ever thought this or have you ever felt this way? I'm going to be doing it Sunday uh, whenever I'm going to be preaching a message. And there were two or three times in my preparation where I thought a, a person who is not a Christian would feel and so then I dropped down the application and thought, and I wrote, have you ever felt? And then just to try to, for it to be an evangelistic prompter or for it to be a, a prompting question for a backslidden person to think about their faith in a different way. Because I think, I think, I think we might deal with, I may preach to a handful of people Sunday who right now, they would never tell it. They might work through it and never breathe anybody. They may be in the deconstruction process right now. That's true. Have you ever heard a preacher say, um, you don't, you don't need to ask questions. You just, you just must take it by faith or belief. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what's your thoughts on that? I have some thoughts on it. Yeah. What's and, your thoughts on something like that? And let me say a lot of that, a lot, I, I identify with a lot of that from a legalistic background. Um, you know, I, I I grew up going to a church that was not legalistic, and then I transitioned to a church that was a little more legalistic. And, and, and legalism will tend to just say, these are the X's and the O's. You do this, you don't do that, and you don't question anything about it. And through my coming through legalism and understanding that, no, there's more to it than just the X's and O's, don't do this and do that. Um, uh, I began to understand there is there is some middle ground. Uh, well, you, the statement you made earlier is a lot like what a dictator would want to say. You don't ask any questions and you don't question my authority at, at the church. Well, that's crazy. Whenever I see us getting down to scripture, God is in divine control. He is supremely in control. But I think that when we go to him in faith, that we can ask, we can honestly ask questions, and we can be like that 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 publican, Lord, forgive me, Lord, be gracious to me, and not even raise our eyes toward heaven, not condemning God, not, you know, Job, whenever Job suffered all that he suffered at the end of chapter number one, he did not sin, and he did not lay sin to God's charge. He did not charge God with sinning. And so I think we are to Follow faithfully, but there are times whenever we go through questions, and I think 
God through his spirit can can build us even during those questioning times. Thomas, I don't know that I answered your question. I, well, you did. Okay. I, so I'm a person who who says that questions are okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. I yes. mean, yeah, we, we are to, and much of our faith, much mm. of our faith is just faith and mm. believing. Man, I can't explain the Trinity <laughs> yeah. nothing. Hey, you're in Trinity Baptist Church. What do you mean, man? Uh, I'm right there with you, buddy. I mean, I yep. understand. I I understand. I've read, yeah. I've read like the Edwardsian theory on the Trinity, but but I can't really explain it so that someone yeah. else can understand. Right. We just take it by faith. How, yeah. how does this work? I don't really know. Yeah. I just take it by faith. Yeah. How did how did God actually create the earth? We know he did so with his word, but the Bible isn't a scientific book in that sense. So it's not giving us all of the scientific details that our scientific minds would want. It's a theology book. Yeah. Yeah. How did God create? Well, we just know that God created. He did that. Yeah, exactly. So I think all questions that we may have are okay. And as you were as you were talking a moment ago, I just scribbled something down so I wouldn't forget it. If God is God, mm-hmm. then he can stand up to any question sure. that we may ever have. Sure. That is right. Because if he if he's God and he is transcendent, his thoughts are greater than our thoughts, our his ways are greater than our ways, mm-hmm. then there's there's no question that we can possibly pose that is ever going to stump God That's right. or that he doesn't have an answer to. So I'm a person who believes that we can strengthen our faith by studying and knowing more about God. I don't think we want to deconstruct with an uh, excavator right. <laughs> and knock it down. Uh I don't I don't think I'll even want to use that terminology in yeah. deconstructing because of the the negative connotations that it has but part of our sanctification is knowing more about God. Sure. God uses that that knowledge of him, knowledge of his word to bring about our sanctification. And I think he can do so when we we study. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, Mind. Mind. Oh, yeah. That's that. That's that third <laughs> that's one. It. Mind. That's it. That's and it. Jesus would even put a fourth one, right? Yeah, and strength. Strength. Yep. Yeah. And so uh mind. Yeah. I, that's one of the some of the ways that I I think I love the Lord the best uh-huh. is through uh loving the Lord with my mind, studying, learning. Yeah. You know, Thomas. Let, let me just let me just say say a word of encouragement. You, you I, I've known you since two thousand seven, and I have seen you develop your mind. Uh, you can do things. We're, we're sitting right here. Thomas has been talking about all these theories and stuff, and he he's got notes in front of him. I don't think those are on there, but I have I have watched you develop. Uh, you know, you you are a person whose whose who's brain was in an interesting place twenty years ago. Yes, and I have seen you repair and I've seen God restore your mental capabilities and uh, to an area of of in my opinion an area of excellence and it is it is for his glory it is for his uh, glory. amen yes. you take a, a drug addict and turn him into uh into who you now are yeah there was a period of time that I didn't know if my 
mind was actually going to work well enough (laughs) to be a preacher uh, because I couldn't carry on a conversation with anyone. And I still have difficulty carrying on conversations, just talking here and there. But but like in sermon prep, I write everything out. And then when usually when I get up to preach, it kind of comes back to me in the moment. Uh, But there was a time where my wife and I both thought uh, that I'd done so much damage to my brain that it wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to yeah. to be a preacher. <laughs> yeah. All right, Lord, you're calling me. You're gonna have to do something. And uh, yeah. he's been able to repair some things that yeah. Well, that man, I'm grateful for. <laughs> what a good discussion. What a good. We didn't know really where this discussion on deconstructing faith uh, would lead us, and we don't know where it's really going to lead you, the listener. But we hope that it leads you, the listener, to build your faith stronger. We want you to grow with God, and we want you to be more of a man of God or a woman of God uh, next year than you are this year. And we hope that this podcast, in some shape, form, or fashion, helps with that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you tune in again next time.